0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HBR Minute HCI podcast episode, I explore the recent HBR video, How Crises Create Opportunities for Good Leadership. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this HBR Minute HCI podcast episode. Today, I'll be exploring the recent HBR video, How Crises Create Opportunities for Good Leadership. In these unprecedented times, corporate leaders' principles are being put to the test. The best, says former Best Buy CEO Herbert Jolly, are rising to the challenge. Many leaders just last summer had signed the Business Roundtable Statement of Purpose that committed their companies to serving all stakeholders. The pandemic is the first test of these principles. Hubert Jolly, former CEO of Best Buy, a company that signed the statement, has spoken with many of those CEOs. While acknowledging much uncertainty remains, he's largely encouraged by their responses to the crisis as companies look out for employees, customers, suppliers, and most importantly, the communities they serve he implores those leaders to continue the charge and asks others to join the fight thanks for joining me and i'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip
1: 2020 has been a particularly challenging year this said i find that uh, this has been a year where we've seen some extraordinary examples of great leadership i think the model of the leader as the superhero who's got all of the answers and eh, that's over the leader who is driven by power, fame, glory, and money, eh, that's over. This was a year where we realized that our humanity was essential. And that led to leaders being very centered around their principles and their values. This is a time when the greatest leaders we've seen were leaders who were authentic, they're caring, they're genuine, They're transparent, they're vulnerable, in creating an environment where people can be the best versions of themselves. If it was not clear before, it became incredibly clear. People are not just an input to business, they're the center, they're the heart of business. So when it was a matter of sheltering in place, remember these days, the associates who were working from home, you know, we discovered their entire life. You know, the kids, the cats, the dogs, also the environment in which they lived. For some people, it was really hard. Also dealing with mental health issues. So understanding the whole person, understanding their human needs, their need for truth. So it was critical for leaders at that time to communicate, to be vulnerable and transparent. I've seen many leaders just say it. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. This is what I'm doing to figure this out. This is true outside of a crisis. This was particularly true during that time. When the environment is challenging, when business gets tough, you see so many times companies first focusing on reducing their headcount. You see these headlines, Company X is hurting, 10,000 layoffs, share price goes up. I hate this. My approach to turnarounds and to leading in a time of crisis is the opposite of that, is to see headcount reduction as the last resort.
0: I completely agree with his assessment here. I think the pandemic has really forced us to take a good, long, hard look at our assumptions around leadership and what we think makes for a great leader, as he describes that uh, stereotypical kind of model of the tall, dark, and handsome, uh, natural-born, superhero-style leader, uh, someone who can take charge and and show us the way. Um, you know Is there a time and a place for that kind of a leader? Uh, of course there is, but what we've seen in this year of unprecedented challenges and uncertainty is that uh, it's it's usually a facade when people try to to demonstrate and, and and portray that level of certainty and that level of confidence amidst all of the challenges and struggles and the pain and the suffering that people are enduring it just comes out hollow because the the truth is everyone knows that it's uncertain And so what we've seen this past year and as we've challenged these assumptions of leadership is we're starting to embrace the idea that leaders need to be people centric. They need to be people focused. They need to look out for the needs of their people. They need to understand and show empathy, listen uh, with the intention to understand, and then find ways to provide meaningful support for their people who may be going through all sorts of challenges so the truly great leaders those truly remarkable leaders are the ones that see the potential in their people recognize the challenges that the, their people are facing provide the support structures uh, and and the emotional support encouragement mentoring and coaching to help their people find success And amidst the uncertainty and the challenges and the trials and everything that we've been facing this past year, we don't need someone to stand up in front of us and try to convince us that everything's going to be okay. While hope is powerful, uh, we can also smell insincerity a mile away. And so if someone is pretending to care or if somebody is pretending to be certain, uh, we, we can typically... Uh, see that, see through that and, and recognize it for what it is. And that is, it's, it's just a facade. Uh, It's time, it's, it's high time for us to get past that facade and to really look towards meaningful, sustainable leadership models that are people centric and focused uh, to help everyone find success. I know that's what I've seen uh, throughout this past year um, in my personal life, but that's also what i I do in my research. Uh, I have so many uh, studies that I've completed um, over the last decade and a half that have shown that all of these principles that he's talking about and that I'm mentioning are important, uh, and it's even more important now than it was before because of the difficulties and challenges we've been facing.
1: There's four levers that I tend to focus on. Number one, always seek to see how you can grow the top line. It's always the first priority. Then, as relates to cost cutting, the first priority is attacking what I call non-salary expenses, which are all of the costs that have nothing to do with people. At most companies, that's actually the vast majority of the cost structure. At Best Buy, we sell probably 10 or $15 billion worth of TVs. Because these TVs now are very big and very thin, we break a lot of TVs. What we did at Best Buy is work with the vendors, the supply chain, the associates in the stores to reduce the likelihood that a TV would break down. That's a way to cut cost. that's good for the customer and, and for the bottom line. The third lever is around uh, benefits, creatively managing benefits. So a big uh, cost in benefits is healthcare. If you can work in your organization to improve the health and well-being of the associates, you can, if you're self-insured, you're gonna reduce your healthcare costs. And again, that doesn't entail cutting headcount. Now, sometimes increasing revenue reducing non-salary expenses, managing benefits is not enough, and you're gonna have to reduce headcount. But then you have to be thoughtful about this. At some point at Best Buy, we decided to close our small Best Buy mobile standalone stores that were essentially mall-based. Now, the associates in these stores were very very valuable associates in, in whom we had invested. They're highly skilled. So with turnover, you can actually redeploy these associates. So instead of telling them, here's your severance package, we said, Well, you can have a severance package, but frankly, our preference would be for you to continue to work at Best Buy, and we're going to do our best to find a new opportunity for you at the company. Another example of this is to consider if your headcount is an issue, is it a temporary issue or is it a permanent issue? So there's a range of things you can do. Of course, we've seen many companies furlough their employees, which is a temporary measure. You've seen leaders in particular take temporary compensation reduction, maybe eliminate bonuses, reduce the hours. So depending on the company, there's going to be different approaches, but the key idea is if the need for cost saving is temporary, then think about temporary measures.
0: I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership Will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. There's all sorts of strategies in dealing with staffing shortages and surpluses, and some are very painful. strategies in terms of the people involved and others are actually uh, relatively uh painless uh and uh, particularly given uh times of uncertainty and challenge you know when when an organization can be uh, thoughtful enough and uh and strategic and pr- uh prepare enough that they can take some of uh those types of approaches that he's describing Uh, Rather than just simply doing layoffs and cutting people that way, uh, it it engenders trust. It helps your people understand that you do look out for them, that you do care about them. Um, Layoffs are quick, they're easy, and they provide immediate relief from labor costs, of course, Um, but the long-term ramifications for an organization in terms of its employee um, attitudes, the culture, the trust, and the commitment to the organization can be extremely detrimental. And so, looking for ways to increase the top line, uh, you know, is is a powerful kind of changing and of, framing uh, around that kind of an issue. Looking at ways to to encourage healthy behaviors with uh, among your workforce so that you can reduce. The health care insurance costs and premiums, Uh, that's a win-win, right? It saves you money, but it also helps your people to be more healthy. Uh, So many things that we can do to try to to take good care of our people during these times. And if it comes to it that we really do have to cut labor costs, can we do it through um, working fewer hours rather than cutting people? Can we do it through some short-term furloughing? Can we do it through natural attrition uh, and by reskilling and upskilling and, and providing transfers for people where they can be utilized in other places? There are just so many things that we can do. We just have to be thoughtful about it and and try to forecast and be prepared for for the challenges that might come. Now, obviously, the pandemic is a situation that nobody really saw coming, so there's no way we could truly be prepared for it. Uh, but but uh, most of the time, we do have better indications of uh, what might be coming down the pipeline and, and, and we can have some preparation and that will really pay dividends uh, for the organization in the long run as we take care of our employees and they see our commitment to them. They'll be more committed to us.
1: This crisis provided the opportunity to pursue this noble purpose and this idea that you can do well by doing good. You know, after the killing of George Floyd, I saw a moment in time, which I think is there to absolutely last, where everybody realized you cannot run a business if the community is on fire. And so this issue of systemic racism, is, this is not just a political or societal or moral issue. This is a business imperative. If the place is on fire, you cannot open your stores. If society breaks down, you cannot have a flourishing economy. I'm actually blown away by how seriously, from the head and the heart, you see business leaders deciding to do their part to end systemic racism here in the US. In the corporate world, once we've determined that something is important, we know how to create and implement strategies. The reason why all of the previous diversity and inclusion's effort had not really paid off is that I think most companies were paying lip service to it. So you're now seeing leaders creating very robust plans, setting goals publicly to hold themselves accountable and make the investments, review all of their HR policies, changing their sourcing practices, changing their workplace practices and taking this much, much more seriously. I still believe it's gonna be a journey, but I'm actually quite optimistic that we have the opportunity to end systemic racism in this country during this generation. The vision of business today is very different. This is an expansive view of business and leadership. The mission has changed. It's not solely shareholder value maximization. It's providing value to all of the stakeholders. The scope has changed. It's not just about the shareholders and the customers, it's also the community, the environment. And then the leadership model has changed. It's gone from the superhero to this much more purposeful, authentic, genuine leader that creates an environment for his team or her team to blossom into good things in the world. So a time of significant change for sure.
0: In this last clip, he talks about social unrest, the George Floyd moment, Black Lives Matter, political unrest, all of these things that have also been part of this pandemic year. So it wasn't just the health scare of the pandemic and the, the related uh, mental health challenges of the social isolation, uh, but we have all these other things layered on top of it. And what he's saying is absolutely true, that as organizations, as we step up to the plate and see our responsibility as an organization and an institution to better our communities, it, as we take that charge and, and try to make a difference, uh, it can... Not only, of course, help our our uh, community; uh, it will engage our people, and essentially, it will help strengthen the bottom and the top line of the organization. We'll be in a better position to have a more sustainable organization, because, as he says, if riots are shutting down your business, you're not making money. So, what can we do as an organization uh, to help provide more sustainable um, social environments? In our communities where everyone feels respected, uh, where everyone feels valued, uh, where prejudice and bigotry and other uh, sorts of uh, marginalization um, aren't allowed to take hold. What role do does our organization play? What role do our employees play in pro- creating and providing that kind of an environment? And I agree with him. I, I would argue that every single institution within an uh, community, every single business within a community uh, plays a role and they need to step up to that challenge. I really appreciate all the insights that he shares in this short video, uh, you know, both from his uh, extensive experience in executive positions and as CEO of Best Buy, as well as his role as a senior lecturer at uh, Harvard Business School. Uh, clearly, he has the expertise and the knowledge uh, that's necessary for successful leaders. Um, in the future of work. I hope that we can all pay close attention to those lessons and that we can try to find ways to apply them into our daily lives, into how we integrate uh, these principles into our management and leadership practices and how we relate to our people. Because ultimately it's our people that are going to help the organization thrive and find success and innovate into the future. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As always, I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. We look forward to having you join us. USA Scientific works side-by-side side with you to provide high-performance tools for your next discovery. Get your free sample today at usascientific.com slash tools